Supposed to the flag, hearts full of black, Bethlehem, watches they fall, armed with our rage, earless to stain, corpses they lay, all that we say, none shall survive. None shall survive. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. I am Adam. And I'm Jeremy. How you doing, Jeremy? I'm doing all right. Are you ready to do a quick review of X-Men number 17, the February 1966 issue? I certainly am. I've been waiting for this all week. Wow. Just like our listeners have. <laughs> of course, yes. And if you want to hear more, you should visit our Facebook page and our webpage and email us and all of that good stuff. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> this one is, uh, well, according to the cover, is entitled, And None Shall Survive. And the cover's all blood red. Yeah, I like the treatment of this cover, just the fact that all the X-Men are laid out on the floor and there's a shadow overlooking them and the color is completely red with some white highlights. It looks to me like uh, Jason Voorhees was running amok in Westchester and broke into the mansion and killed them. I mean, it makes sense, right? They're teenagers, and Marvel Girl and Cyclops want to have a little bit of premarital sex, and then Jason comes along and just kills them all. I guess what I'm saying is it looks like the cover of a Friday the 13th movie. <laughs> kind of. I, I dig it. Maybe <laughs> this is where the whole Friday the 13th franchise came out of. I suppose this came uh, before that did. Uh, so here we go. At the very beginning, it says, You must not reveal the incredible ending to any living soul. So I think they anticipated that this was going to be a very huge issue, don't you think? Wait, does that mean that we can't reveal the ending? We have to like get up to the ending and then we just have, <laughs> we to, just stop? have to stop and you have to read it for yourself, dear listener. Sorry, folks. <laughs> I think there's a, a 20-year statute limitation, so somewhere around 1986, they, they lifted the ban on revealing the ending, so I think we're okay. Okay, good. Whew. So we open with another splash page, which apparently takes place moments after the last issue where they destroyed the Sentinel Citadel. Actually, I want to do a quick little recap. At the last panel or two of the last issue, we saw a figure lurking outside of the mansion. And I think that that's important to to remember as we proceed forward in this issue. But you're yes. right. This splash page has a lot of dialogue on it. Military men and doctors are loading up the X-Men and stuff. Iceman looks okay. Looks like Beast is getting the majority of the treatment here. But as we will learn, Iceman is not okay. Exactly. That's, that's why I point Angel looks pretty good, too. They're just pouring him a cup of coffee. <laughs> Yeah, and Jean Grey, she's already drinking some coffee. These are teenagers, though. That's probably soda pop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, there's there's a thermos right there. That is clearly coffee. Or maybe hot cocoa. I bet it's uh, hot cocoa. Like I said last issue, these kids have been fighting person after person, time after time. I mean, they're going on like three days of no sleep, and at some point, man, these guys are just going to collapse. Yeah, basically, since issue 12, I think... This has been one nonstop <laughs> adventure after another. I think you're right. Stan Lee is continuing to provide us with the story. Jack Kirby with the layouts and the pencils is still Jay Gavin. Dick Ayers is on inks, and Artie Simic is still lettering, and they've gotten rid of all of the goofy, what would you call them, adjectives in front of everybody's names? Or verbs? Yeah. Action-packed Stan. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever they put there. However, that will not last. <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> so then we go to the next page, uh... 
the professor is, I think, making up some story about how he was just glad to help and he doesn't know who these crazy kids are. The general says, you know, those X-Men, they're really good guys. And the professor thinks to himself, I knew you were going to say that. And that's why I decided to release my mental hold over your mind. Wow. <laughs> the professor is just a real... He's a jerk. Yeah. He's a master liar and a manipulator. He's basically got everybody here under his mind control right now, and he's only letting them talk when he sees it's suitable. <laughs> Which begs the question, why is he so worried about people like uncovering that he's with the X-Men? Maybe if somebody's out of his mind-wiping range. Although, I mean, at some point he could just fly over there and be like, mind-wipe, you didn't see that. There's a whole lot of this issue where the professor has to keep his identity secret. Mm-hmm. In fact, we learn in this issue that the professor is a huge worrywart. <laughs> well, he's an old man. Yeah. He's probably a bit, a bit senile, too, you know. The captain, or whoever this guy is, orders the troops to go look for more uh, remnants of sentinels. The X-Men get carted away to hospitals. Iceman has his hand on top of his head. He's starting to feel a little ill. Oh, he got heat blasted, remember? And he was like, oh, this heat is so much, it's too much for Iceman. He can't handle yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. He had a rough day. Yeah. Beast and him were captured and gassed mm -hmm. repeatedly. <laughs> Among other things, uh, if you read between the lines. <laughs> the army men go into the Sentinel Sentinel, and then we cut to the hospital. I got to wonder, like... What kind of amazing technologies do the army get to reap from this Sentinel Citadel? I mean, there's got to be a couple of Sentinel heads or arms or, I mean, those those ray guns that come out of their chests or whatever. I mean, that seems like a good military uh, acquisition. Yeah, I wonder if that'll come into play later. Uh, I don't know. We know Sentinels will return. Oh, spoilers! <laughs> <laughs> All right, so... Iceman is now laying in his hospital bed. The professor has decided to visit only Iceman and still maintain his cover, which is, you know, I guess he's got mental powers and stuff, but, you know, if I'm kind of paying attention to the whole mutant story, I might wonder why this professor guy seems to appear wherever these crazy teenagers are. But the doctors seem to think it's okay. It's, it's very good of you to stop by and see the X-Men, Professor. I mean, I guess he is one of the leading scientists in the forum of mutants of the day, so maybe he's just checking in on... Yeah, but he doesn't have any... The only credentials he has is that he's like, I don't think mutants are a threat. <laughs> it's not like he has done like extensive biology on mutants or anything, so but I don't know. he was on TV. Yes, okay, so that makes him an expert. Yeah. Yeah, so we get we uh, not only get one panel of Iceman feeling ill and laying in bed, but we get four of them. And he starts to mumble to himself, and basically we learn that he's he's very, uh, I don't know, lacking confidence. Or, or we could just call him a sissy, you know, one of the two. Yeah. <laughs> I'll make them proud of me. They need me. I won't let them down. Yeah. And he's delirious, so they make the professor leave. So next up, the professor heads over to the beast room. He's got uh, an x-ray of his feet, and his feet are okay. I think we're getting a lot of the doctors kind of being like, I don't really quite understand this mutant physiology, but we're trying our best. Yep, exactly. And and they're, the beast is healing very quickly. Is he? Oh. They seem to be hinting as part of being a mutant in this issue. Just any mutant has the ability to heal a little bit faster? Yeah. Okay. I don't know if they're going to lose that later or what the deal is. Adam, I think you know the answer to that question. I, I do. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
before the professor officially goes into the room, he contacts Beast through his mind and says, remember, Hank, don't be stupid. Don't remove your mask. <laughs> oh, and by the way, I'm just a friend, not your leader. Somewhere in here, the doctors are like, oh, we don't have any legal obligation to pull their masks off. So if they want to keep them on, they can keep them yeah, on. Yeah, exactly. Which is, which is a good explanation, I suppose. Meh, that's crap. I mean, come on. <laughs> The only reason they need to keep their identity secret is for their family's sake. That's true, and that's that's that carries on throughout basically the entire run of the X-Men. Which is good. And all superheroes, mostly, anyways. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a superhero thing. So then we go out to the lobby where the angel is apparently doing some tricks for the nurses because they're all gathered around him. No, he answers the phone and he flies up and... Well, according to the nurse, he lifted <laughs> the phone into the air so we wouldn't see what number he dialed. Ooh, X-Men are so secretive. <laughs> How does she know all of this? He's calling the automatic phone answering device at X-Men headquarters. <laughs> like, what? How do you know? That's what Angel was doing. He's like, hey, baby, you know what I got? I got an answering device at my headquarters. I'm an X-Man. <laughs> oh, oh, I got to call it right now, baby. I got to see if there's a mission. Uh, I might not make it, so uh, I don't know what you're doing tonight, but, uh, you know, maybe you and me could hook up. Oh. It's true. There are like six nurses gathered around the angel. So despite his costume and his wings, he's still a pretty attractive playboy. Yeah, yeah. And somehow you can tell that by just looking at his mouth and his nose. <laughs> so, all right. It's those eyes. Those ah. eyes have got to be amazing. Mm -hmm. Dreamy. He discovers that his parents left a message that they're coming to the school. Well, first somebody tells him that he has to get down because uh, flying in the hospital is against hospital regulations. Yeah. So it leads me to wonder what kind of board of directors was sitting down one day and was like, you know what? Uh, I got I got one. I got one. No, one, no flying in the lobby. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> the eyes have it. Yes, Warren's parents are coming immediately. So the professor's like, may I, may I have the phone, young man? <laughs> you know, to keep his cover going. Yeah. <laughs> it, gets, it gets a little thick in here, but yeah. And then he calls the Worthingtons and begs them not to come right now because they're out of town, which makes sense. Why... I don't know. Why doesn't he just say we're still out of town and we're not coming back? I don't know. But the Worthingtons are like, you know, we don't care. We're just going to check out the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the professor feebly says, it's exam time. It seems like the professor could have come up with a little bit better of a story to get the Worthingtons to not show up, but uh, whatever. You'd think if he, he's writing, he's running a top secret uh, mutant training facility. So you would think that he would have some sort of uh, first of all, an expensive tuition, and second of all, some sort of cover story or, or, or signed contract that says, due to the nature of the education that we have, one week's notice before vacations is required and needs to be approved in triplicate and blah, 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 just so that he could have this cover that, you know, if we're on missions. Yeah, that's probably something he needs to do. Maybe this will be serve as a learning experience. <laughs> I hope so. He's unable to convince them to not come over. He mentally tells the angel, you better get back to the mansion and take care of your parents. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to punish you if you don't. <laughs> I'm going to spank you, boy. He's also, uh, throughout these panels, uh, uh, sensing a menace. Something is just a little bit amiss. As though something strange is going on at the mansion. Apparently he is in tune with the mansion. So the angel flies off to the mansion because what is he going to do? He's going to like... Intercept the parents and check out the menace. Yeah. We got a little uh, flying montage here where he talks about how wonderful it is to fly and how no other humans can know what this is like. 
And then I think what we get on the very next page is the first mid-issue splash panel, full-page panel. Which is interesting. I mean, it's totally like one of those pinups from prior issues, Mm -hmm. but it actually takes place as part of the story, which I think is much preferred. You know what? I will bet you that this is probably a pinup that they never even used. Yeah, quite possibly. Stan Lee was like, I got to work this pinup in there. (laughs) Because it's not all that great of a drawing. Well, none of the pinups have been. I know, exactly. It's that same kind of bland, like somebody just threw it together in about 15 minutes and used about five colors to put it together. It seems like a wasted panel because uh, there's no clouds, no detail. The sky is pink, you know, stuff like that. Still, though, it it means that Stan Lee is learning. He doesn't have to be so wordy all the time. True, true, true. He can just say, hey, somebody, uh, Jay Gavin, do a, do a full page spread here. But they haven't gotten to the um, point where they just throw in full panel splashes with no dialogue, you know, like they yeah. do these days. <laughs> and three minutes after you open the issue, you're done with it because there's no yeah, dialogue. Exactly. And it's like, what? I paid $3 for this? What the heck? So we cut to the mansion where the angel is approaching. And before he gets there, there's a mysterious glove at the door inside the mansion. What color is that glove? It's a it's a purple glove. It is a purple glove. Huh. I bet it's the Vanisher. <laughs> I bet it's any one of the villains that the <laughs> X-Men have ever met. Oh, well, that's true. It could be the Scarlet Witch. She's got purple gloves, I think. It could be somebody new. Oh, I bet you it's not. <laughs> <laughs> so whoever this guy is, he's inside the mansion and he's peeking out creepily. He was hoping to take on all the X-Men at once, but he is... He's just as satisfied having to take them on one at a time. So the angel lands, uh, heads into the mansion, and there's a suit of armor apparently in there that the professor keeps for whatever reason. The door is unlocked, he notes. Oh, he does note that. And then all of a sudden, the axe flies out of the suit of armor and heads towards the angel. Oh my god! The metal axe flies out of the metal (laughs) suit of armor. I don't know if it matters. Angel being a winged creature is able to dodge it by flying upwards. And then he's on guard. Now the uh, stranger in the house is taunting him. You'd think that, uh, I don't know, for a team that fights villains and evil people, uh, their headquarters uh, would have some level of defense, you know? I guess this is the first time, well, no, the circus attacked the mansion, so this isn't the first time that uh, the mansion has been attacked. Actually, that is explained, because when Juggernaut approached, I think they used up all of their defenses. And that was like two days ago in Marvel Timeline. Oh, my gosh. They haven't had time to do anything else. You think Stan Lee was thinking that when he wrote this? Nope. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So he flies uh, through the halls. Flies towards the voice, which he doesn't recognize, so it must be somebody new. Mm-hmm. Oh, sh- sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because if somebody said something like, hey, I'm going to kill you, he'd be like, oh, I know you. <laughs> but he doesn't, so clearly it's a new villain. You're right. Okay. Well, he's clearly using his Batman voice. <laughs> oh, hey, angel. <laughs> Batman? <laughs> what are you doing here? <laughs> what up? <laughs> So in the last panel, you get a shadowy figure who's who's kind of doing that evil fist-pumping thing where he's like, ooh, I'll get you. Angel sees the shadow running away, so he goes after it. But the shadow has prepared a invisible mirror. And then you got to ask yourself, how long has this guy been here, you know? Or how long were the X-Men in the hospital? 
Well, he he could have been here since the TV show because that's the last time that the X Men were at the mansion. Maybe he saw the Sentinel attack. Maybe he maybe this is the mastermind behind the whole Sentinel thing, and he sent them up as a distraction for the X Men so that he could plant all these booby traps at the headquarters. I think it's the real Bolivar Trask. (gasps) Oh my gosh! Well, we'll find out. So he goes flying headlong into the mirror. Stupid angel. (laughs) Oh, well, it's not a mirror, I guess. It's just glass. Oh, okay. All right. My bad. That explains everything then. And that really hurts. And then the shadowy figure taunts him, raising his fist and saying, I'm not wearing hockey pants. (laughs) Or something of that nature. But he definitely talks in that gruff voice. So back at the hospital, Cyclops, we finally see what's going on with him. He doesn't want to take his mask off, and the doctor. Yeah, once again, like, we have a scene where someone is trying to take off his glasses, and he refuses to do it. It's hospital routine, apparently, to check on the eyes, but they they won't make an exception. This doctor is by the book. Well, it's very interesting if you look at the back uh, behind Cyclops' head. There's actually an eye chart. So for some reason, Cyclops is in the optometrist's office. <laughs> like, wait, my leg hurts. Why am I in here? He's basically getting his physical. (laughs) Son, I think you need glasses. Oh, really? (laughs) (laughs) The professor uh, barges in. Just like he's been doing with all these X-Men, which, again, if I'm just kind of like uh, in the background wandering the corridors, I'm like, why is this guy so interested in these (laughs) X-Men? He kind of, uh, you know, barges into the situation and tries to intervene, tries to remedy the situation, but uh, no go. The doctor's like, no, I, I need to check his eyes. Seriously. Back off, old man. Well, he's, uh, what does he say? He tries to get the professor to help him. Yeah, he says he's heard of the professor. He says optometry is a speciality, and he believes that he would be able to help him. So for some reason he thinks, does he know that Cyclops has this power? I don't really understand. Oh, maybe. Maybe he's like, I can cure you. Yeah, maybe he's he's just walking through the halls and he sees Cyclops and he's like, cha-ching. Hey, what's that (laughs) on your head? Come here, son. Let's do a quick test. I gotta check this out. As an optometrist, I have to find out. (laughs) Yeah. But then Cyclops, again, like, oh, my powerful power will level a mountain, (laughs) but I'm going to shoot the eye scope out of your hand or whatever the hell that thing is. Well, he he doesn't say he's using a mild example, but yeah, yeah, again. And interestingly enough, now we were talking last week, or we have been talking about how his power works, not his power, but how his visor works. And here you're actually, you can see that he's touching the sides of his visor, like maybe indicating that he's like raising and lowering the shield rather than whatever it was where he closes his eyes and the shield opens. He can clearly do both, I would have to say. I think maybe when he closes his eyes, he doesn't have as much control over it, but when he presses the side, he can lift or maybe maybe when he presses the side it he just loses the uh well we don't know this yet but the ruby quartz effect right well what i'm wondering though is if he closes his eyes and then the shield opens and then he opens his eyes doesn't that mean the shield closes so doesn't that mean that he can only <laughs> do like little short blasts and he'd have to like perfectly time every single one like oh 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 i opened my eyes too soon all right close them close them. oh oh i've been shot in the head now i'm dead <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyways, so still a little bit of mystery about how Cyclops' visor works, but whatever. Just chalk it up to magic. So the doctor is suitably impressed, and he, he backs off. And he says, if uh, if you are through with the patient, may I have him roll me out to the other X-Men? Sure. Yeah, I was asked to bring him a message from one of the other X-Men. Yeah. So Cyclops wheels him out into the courtyard or, or whatever, and there's a... Look at that nurse back there. Rawr. <laughs> the professor again tells Cyclops, oh, remember, you don't know who I am. 
don't be stupid. (laughs) (laughs) You'd think that that would have been part of their training, you know, like say their day of training is eight hours. You'd think like the first hour would just be like, remember, I'm not in charge. And then the (laughs) other seven hours would be like physical training. The professor is just so freaking paranoid and he knows the, he knows he can't trust these teens. That's true. He's an old senile man and these are untrustworthy teenagers who've got raging hormones and other things on their minds. So for some reason, he tells Cyclops that he needs to go check up on Angel. Iceman is too ill to be moved, and he prefers the Beast and Marvel Girl to remain here in case they're needed. Not sure I follow the logic of that, but, you know, the professor has a plan. Good for him. He's the professor. Cyclops takes the car back to the mansion. With the professor? Oh, with the professor. Yeah. I get it. Yeah, I didn't even realize that. Okay. So they must have been talking in private or something like that. Uh, But anyways, yeah, so... Cyclops drives the professor back, they rush inside, and uh, they they can't find the angel, but they do hear the unmistakable re-noise of Cerebro. And the shadow is watching them. So they run into the office, and it's still screaming, and I don't know why they don't know who it is. (laughs) Yeah, it definitely doesn't tell them who it is, and and perhaps it's because the professor removed all those name tags from an earlier issue, <laughs> or maybe it's because it's a new villain. Who knows? I'm thinking it's a new villain because uh, the professor would never make a mistake of that magnitude. Cerebro <laughs> only reacts this that way when a dangerous mutant threatens. That means some powerful Homo Superior has invaded this building and is waiting even now to attack. Mm-hmm. Cerebro is really smart if he knows there's a mutant actually in the the mansion. Well, when there's a mutant in the mansion, it goes, <laughs> So So when Marvel Girl and Iceman and Beast and Angel are all there, the thing is just constantly <laughs> screeching, yeah. and the professor's like, oh, that's that's the good alarm, you know? Well, if you think about it, this is the same thing it did when Juggernaut showed up. So Juggernaut was on the outskirts of the building, so it's kind of an alarm. Evil mutant on presence. Juggernaut was on a mutant, though, see? So that's... Oh, anyway. evil being approaching Cerebro. Cerebro scared. <laughs> <laughs> the professor sits down to try to figure out what's going on when all of a sudden some kind of crazy device that looks like an alien head or actually kind of looks like Johnny Five from uh, Short Circuit. You remember that movie? According to the professor in the next panel, it's a mechanical mental wave distorter. The one type of weapon I cannot fight. <laughs> Why is it in there? <laughs> It must have been planted by the evil villain. Aha, so he put a window in there and a mental distorter. And so the uh, Cyclops is going to rip it off by blasting it, I guess. But he runs into another transparent shield. Oh, he does, you're right. Well, how did that happen? Just dropped down between us, according to this. Runs right into it. The professor passes out. It's blacking out my brain! If the room is like eight feet tall, (laughs) and this glass or shield or whatever is it's also eight feet tall by what looks to me like 20 feet wide i mean somebody had to get in there and like rip a line in the room above and somehow i mean this thing is not light looking so they would have had to helicopter this thing in which means they have to take the roof off put it in there Well, depending on what villain it is i mean they could have used their powers all right so it could be uh, some guy who can control glass yeah okay oh or, do you remember uh, Star Trek IV? Transparent aluminum. <laughs> mm. <laughs> All right, so anyways, he shoots basically himself because he's shooting the invisible shield. He blasts the invisible shield, but the invisible tr- shield has been treated to 
uh, hurl back his blast. So somebody, whoever is attacking them, knows what will take out the professor and knows how to return the blasts of Cyclops. It's as if somebody knows all of the X-Men's weakness, the professor and his mental powers, Cyclops and his optic blasts, and Angel's ability to fly into things. (laughs) 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 Aha, all right. I wonder what they'll do for Beast and Iceman. (laughs) The lights go out. And uh, the shadow reveals himself. He says, And now, X-Man, you shall learn how totally powerless you are against me. Oh, he says, that sounds familiar. Yeah, he doesn't recognize the voice again. Well, he sounded familiar almost as if... He's still doing his Batman thing. Okay, okay. Whoever you are... Yeah, whoever this guy is, he's, he's like he can teleport, too, because he's in front of Cyclops, and then he's behind Cyclops, punching him in the head. Cyclops blasts around in every direction and is unable to hit them. It's kind of a cool page. It's got I like the nine-panel layout that we got going on here. A lot of action going on on this page. It's all darkness, and it's kind of neat. I like this panel. Lots of things you Cyclops. I'm being toyed with. Yeah, and so finally on the eighth panel, whoever this mysterious villain is trips Cyclops with a broom handle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing I'm susceptible to, broom handles. And so he says, only by using my hammering fist, so you still cannot be certain what my true power is. Huh? What's that supposed to mean? Didn't feel that way with any of the other X-Men. Yeah. Cyclops gets a special treatment, I guess. So then we go back to the hospital where Beast is bounding up and down. Bouncing around his room, he feels much better. Marvel Girl joins him in his hospital room. And then in panel two... Beast shrinks into a tiny little man. I know. <laughs> that is either a huge mirror way in the distance or <laughs> Beast is shrunk. Hi to die. You will not get my lucky charms is what he's saying. <laughs> Marvel Girl is astonished that there's a leprechaun in the room that looks like Beast. <laughs> so she grabs him and asks where his pot of gold is and then asks for three wishes. <laughs> And then and then he turns back into normal size beast and, and Marvel Girl is clearly confused. <laughs> oh? Did that just happen? She no. picks him up, starts spinning him around to get him to listen. And then we have Beast's dialogue, which is very obnoxious on this whole page. First of all, he's like, very perspicacious of you, wench. Yeah. He called <laughs> yeah. her a wench. He just called her a wench. I mean, I guess that was acceptable in the 60s. Only people with big vocabularies are allowed to call women wenches in the 60s. I guess. Jean Grey picks him up and throttles him around, which is fair. And she's like, listen to me. And then he's like, prattle away then, female. (laughs) (laughs) When did Beast turn into such a jerk? He's a chauvinist pig. She tells him about how she's worried about the professor and Angel and Cyclops. And then he's like, just like a woman. (laughs) I think his transformation into a leprechaun and then back into a beast did something to his mind because he's, he's kind of a jerk when it comes to women now. Yeah. Hopefully that'll only last for this issue. Maybe Stanley was pissed off at his wife or something. (laughs) (laughs) Stupid women. I'll get her in this issue. If someone isn't fracturing your eardrums every conceivable minute, you begin to fear that something's amiss. Yeah, yeah. A jerk. And she's like, you promised you'd be serious. And he's like, shut up, fatty. Go make me a sandwich. (laughs) What? And she goes and cries. And No, that doesn't happen. So they go to check on Iceman, and there's no change in his condition. He starts to cry. He's got to pull through. He was like my brother. I think they're gay for each other. 
Not that there's anything wrong with that. I mean, it's the 60s, so, you know, and they're teenagers, so they're doing a little bit of experimenting, but they're, they're keeping it on the down low because it's not really an accepted lifestyle. Well, we've definitely seen in this issue that Beast does not care for the women. <laughs> he doesn't like women, so, you know, there you go. Maybe he's hoping, I mean, we know that Iceman does like the women, but maybe Beast is hoping that in his unconscious state he'll wake up and, and be more attracted to Beast. Iceman only likes women because he thinks that he is supposed to like women. As we've seen, yeah. he's not gotten anywhere with Zelda, and I don't think he's really trying all that hard. Beast is slowly converting him. Mm. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, anyways. So they go to back to the mansion, but Beast decides, I'm going to jump out the window. <laughs> yeah. I like this panel, though. It's a really cool panel. Yeah, I, I definitely like the way that uh, Marvel Girl is lowering herself to the ground. It's either uh, Batman-esque or Spider-Man-esque, but yeah, she's like totally vertical and... I don't know. It's just Is a this the panel. first time we've seen her telekinetic lines? Um, I don't know. I don't think so. I don't, I don't think so. I think we've seen her telekinetic lines before. But this is definitely the first time we've seen her doing anything that's even close to like an action-y pose. Yeah, that's true. She telekinetically ports herself over a wall. Beast jumps over the wall. And apparently they just run back to the mansion. <laughs> it says, finally, after a spectacular succession of running, leaping, climbing, and teleporting. Teleporting? Who teleports? Isn't there a, a thing that people do these days where they try to like run from point A to point B, but they got to leap over garbage cans and park benches, and they ought to do it all in like one fluid motion, and it's like this new thing? Yeah, I don't, I don't know what it's called, but this this might be the truth of it. Teleporting with mile-consuming gymnastic skill. Yeah, that's pretty cool. They go several miles. They run back to the mansion. So two hours later. They continue to run, and uh, they don't stop even when they get to the front door, and Beast pays the price. Yeah, basically he says, I'm going to charge in at top speed. <laughs> Bear the brunt of whatever awaits us. And he does. I thought he was the smart one. Yeah. I mean, who could expect what actually happens? The entire room has been, I guess, basically there's a tunnel from the door to a door in the back room. And every wall uh, of the tunnel, including the floor and the ceiling, have been coated with wax-like gloss. So Beast just kind of slides. He can't get his balance. He's slip sliding everywhere. He tries to use the walls, but he can't use the walls either. Yeah, I can explain this. Uh, due to the... Uh poor choice of Beast and Marvel Girl to run from the hospital to the mansion instead of hailing <laughs> a cab. Whoever this mystery villain is had the time to completely coat the entire interior of the mansion with this wax-like, frictionless gloss. On the off chance that <laughs> the they would chance. be running, because, you know, if they had walked in, they'd be fine. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it's just on the off chance that Beast would hurl himself into the room. But uh, So apparently, if we're going down the weaknesses list, we, we know that Beast's is inability to think through and open up a door and evaluate the situation <laughs> before charging headlong into a room that he can't get any traction on. But so anyway. yeah, basically this is his natural, natural agility is useless, useless. Yeah. And now we know why he, even though he's supposedly the smartest is not the leader. Although yeah. the, the leader didn't fare very well either. So anyways, true. So he's bouncing all over the place and Marvel girls trying to slow him down, but he, he just was too fast. Mm hmm. And, she can't slow him down. Mm -hmm. and then the wall at the other end of the tunnel opens, and Beast apparently flies down an elevator shaft. 
<laughs> he's dead now because <laughs> nobody could survive a, a, a fall of that nature. Because I think Beast even says like, oh, I'm going faster and faster and faster and I can't stop myself. Ah, and he falls and he dies. All right. So then Marvel Girl is trying to telekinetically open the door, whatever, the elevator door, but she can't. She can't. She tries to use her powers, too, which is, you know, at least she's trying to do that. The mystery villain reveals himself to Marvel Girl, not us, and says, that's how I blended. Wench? No, say wench. <laughs> no even, even the mystery villain is more polite to women than Beast. Yes, yes. We meet again, Marvel Girl. Oh, so whoever this is knows these people's names. Oh, yeah, and she immediately recognizes him. Yeah. You! You! She doesn't say his name. She just says, you! And she attempts to use her power against him, to which the menacing mystery mutant, I don't know, laughs at her. <laughs> Feeble woman. Because uh, her power isn't working on him because there is an odorless sleep gas in this tunnel, and apparently it is dulling her brain and therefore her kinetic power as well. So she, she passes out. Uh, and so this doesn't affect our mystery mutant because no, he's only been in the tunnel for a couple of seconds. Maybe ah. he's wearing a gas mask. We don't we don't see his face. So on the third panel, it kind of looks like she's gazing up at this mystery man longingly, almost. Well, she uh. she says in the previous panel that her knees are sagging, so she's probably on her knees by then. This odorless gas is basically a roofie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't worry, you won't remember much of this. <laughs> oh, then she faints. Then the mystery villain brags that the only member of the X-Men left is the weakest of all. Yes, yes. So he shouldn't have any problem taking out Iceman. We go to the hospital where Dr. Thomas is being asked to report to a room. To the Iceman room. To the Iceman room. And uh, then we see... He's being uh, nagged by some reporters about the X-Men, but... He stops and turns around and says, I don't have time to talk to you jerks. There's people dying out there. Get out before I have you thrown out. Well, that's nice. He doesn't have time to talk to them, so he'll sit there and talk to them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he has time to stop and yell at him, but not much more. He looks at his clock. Well, I've got, I've, I've got a minute. So uh, he goes into the Iceman room, and uh, somehow Iceman knows that the X-Men need him. They do. They need me. He's probably still a little bit delirious. Well, yeah, he's he's just going on with his sissy-like delirium. Yeah, yeah. He's got a false sense of uh, usefulness, but actually in this case, it's he's accurate. So my guess is that he's always kind of laying in bed like, oh, they need me, they need me, and he gets <laughs> yeah, up and exactly. they're like, they're all just eating sandwiches and stuff. Like, what's up, Iceman? He's like, oh, no, nothing, nothing. I'm going go back to bed. You want me to make you another sandwich? <laughs> I could make your soda cold. <laughs> make me a snowman. So the doctor feels terribly helpless because he doesn't know what to do about this mutant lying in his bed because he can't understand the physiology. And he decides, we have to do something. It's time to pull out a new medical procedure. A new type of drug. A sulfa drug. Very potent. We've got to risk it. Yes, sulfa. So then we cut back to the mystery villain dumping all of the X-Men into a... Ball. Yeah, some sort of <laughs> metallic ball. From the inside, it looks very roomy. From the outside, it looks kind of small. So it's kind of like the TARDIS, but round. Professor X isn't in there. Or maybe he is, we just don't see him. Good point. He's still trapped in his office. Yeah, so he's either in his office, maybe he's still being zapped into that brain thing. Yeah, so the mystery mutant closes the door to this big ball, and we see that it's attached to what looks like a hot air balloon or, or something of that yeah, nature. It's, it's uh, well, he calls it a steel gondola. 
Yeah, okay. So I guess the ball <laughs> the ball is a steel gondola and then the hot air balloon he just sends into space. It's going to get up to 100,000 feet and then it will... Run out of air and then the X-Men will die. It's a good, good plan. It's kind of weird. I mean, it's very <laughs> out there as far as plans go. I mean, you could just slit their throats. <laughs> exactly. Like, oh, here's a gun. They just shoot him each in the forehead. Whoever this guy is is like, well, I really want them dead, but geez, ah, I don't want to get all messy. Ugh. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, we, we see hands for three panels as the balloon flies further and further upward. And it's the end of the X-Men forever. But wait, I know who's going to solve this mystery. It'll be the Worthingtons. The Worthingtons are, as they promised, they are showing up at the mansion. They, they talk about how Professor X is very charming and they wonder how he can afford to run the school since he has only five or six students. And then apparently the father's like, oh, he's just independently wealthy and doing it for a lark. He just likes being around young boys and uh, the girl is just there for show. <laughs> And basically, he's like, uh, yeah, you don't know how much I'm paying this guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. He doesn't want to tell his wife that. Honey, We're going to be broke next year. <laughs> exactly. I know you like to buy fancy things, but I got bad news. We are broke. <laughs> <laughs> no one comes to the door, and they think that's interesting because they probably could have heard them. So they ring the doorbell. Well, they're also rich. They kind of expect somebody to come out and help them with their thing. Yeah, exactly. Nobody's like, what? Why is there nobody? Somebody going to park this for me? Or what? I got to park my own car? Oh, for God's sakes. All right, fine. They ring the doorbell and... Uh, they wonder who it is answering the door. They Who says, ah, you must be parents of a student. But who and then he responds you? with, to who are you with I? I am power. And for those of you paying attention, <gasps> you, you may recognize that as a quote that someone used several issues ago. Oh. And uh, we turn the page and... It's the blob. <laughs> no. It's Nightcrawler! <laughs> In his first appearance. It's really weird. It makes no sense whatsoever. It's completely out of context. No, it's 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 Magneto. It's totally Magneto, which means that the last issue where we saw Magneto was the first issue in this series of issues where the endings started at the beginnings. Yes. So he's probably been gone two days, is what they're saying here. All right, so let's recap the, the timeline here. The stranger comes and captures Magneto and Toad, and immediately they fight the Juggernaut for two issues, at the end of which they're kind of laid out and in therapy for what we're going to call a couple of days when the Sentinels attack for three issues. Right after the Sentinels, they go to the hospital, and that leads us to the events here. So yes, Magneto has been kidnapped for all of, what, three days? Three, four days. Okay. I'm, I'm just going to say a week to give us... A little more. Maybe it'll reveal it in the next issue. Who knows? Okay, so this begs a lot of questions. First of all, what's on his chin there? <laughs> uh, he's got a double chin okay. in my... <laughs> in this one, he just has like some big bulbous looking thing sticking off of his chin. So apparently... Is it a different color? It's it's colored peach in mine. It's it, peach, it looks but, like... but just the way that, the, that it's drawn, it just kind of looks like he's got a little bulbous... Growth yeah, maybe the gym. stranger roughed him up. <laughs> he's got he's got space cancer. <laughs> so the, he's got pretty wild, maniacal eyes in this panel he, too. He, maybe he's a clone. So maybe it's the real Magneto. And well, I guess we'll find out as far as all all that with the whole stranger thing next issue. I hope we figure out a lot of things here because first of all, do we know that Magneto knew where the mansion is? Good question. Good question. Did we know that Magneto knows that Professor X is the leader of the X Men? Good question. Good question. I would have to assume that we do because the professor has been at some of their adventures. 
uh, like when they were in that foreign country. I guess I don't recall Magneto ever seeing Professor X and saying, you are the leader of the X-Men and I will kill you now. I mean, there's a lot of yeah. things that we know because we've we've read forward and we know how all these relationships work. But I'm curious as how, well, hopefully we'll find out next issue because a lot of things have been raised here. Like I, I didn't think that uh, uh, there was any connection right now between Professor X and Magneto. And I didn't think that Magneto knew where the mansion was, let alone that uh, the X-Men's headquarters was out of the mansion. Well, he definitely... He definitely didn't know where the mansion was when Mastermind was looking for it. Oh, yeah, good point. Oh, so yeah. there's that. So at some point, well, hopefully next issue will answer all of these questions and more Yeah. on yeah. the next issue episode of Danger Room. And we'll also answer your emails and comments and questions if you would send them to us at our Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash Danger Room Podcast, or you can go to uh, Red Cat Productions forward slash Danger Room, or you could email us at dangerroom at redcatproductions.com. Or you can go to iTunes where you could leave a review, uh, which will result in us reading your name on the podcast, which, I don't know, you might dig that. You might think that's lame. Either way, write a, write a review. I would dig it. So what did you think of this one? Oh, that's all right, you know. <laughs> I feel like it was kind of a retread of the, the Juggernaut issue, where the whole issue with the Juggernaut was in shadows until the end the thing about the jugger the juggernaut story though is a little bit better because we're getting some history and backstory and and we're kind of being built up to the 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 battle right and this was just kind of like the x-men bumbling around in their own house you know my perception was that stanley was like people really like that juggernaut issue i'm gonna do something similar i'm more interested in seeing how this plays out as far as how he got back from space and how is Iceman going to deal with this? He says he is the perceived weakest link. Well, for that and more, we'll find out next week. I think it's safe to say that uh, the danger room is closed. <laughs>